Hi and welcome to Dynamics Update. Uh, we are at the start of uh, September and uh, the reason why we're here is that we would like to talk a bit about 10.0.37 and uh, we are as usual me, Johan Persson, and my colleague Gustav Sundlar. Hello Gustav. Hello Johan. Hello. How are you? I am fine, thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a hot September, so that's nice. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's it's good that that uh, work has started again, and and we are off to a great start. Back to root, back to routine. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, so uh, let's get started with ten dot zero dot thirty seven. And one thing I noticed was actually that it's not very full of new things. Uh, no, I'm 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 <laughs> guessing sort of that that uh, maybe there has been a lot of of uh, issues that were have been fixed instead, but uh, rather than than <laughs> you're new. so pessimistic. No, no, but <laughs> no, I'm not pessimistic. I I think it's a good thing. Fixing fixing no, bugs exactly. is good. I mean, so absolutely, I totally agree. That it might absolutely be that case that it has been a lot of bugs. I know they kind of re-released version thirty six preview as well. So. Possibly that, but also I, I had the same thought, actually. I was like, yeah, I'm preparing for this this podcast. It's like, okay, it's usually that you have to select, pick these few things out of a long list of very nice features. Um, but now it was kind of, well, it's lightweight. But, and then I was like, oh, nothing coming in this release. But then I thought again, first of all, it's a good thing because it means that, well, we can do minor stable releases as well. And as you say, probably bug fixes it. It can, it's a lot of things that are actually coming in uh, as well. So just that the list is shorter doesn't mean that the the business value is uh, less. I hope at least. No, but actually, I actually had a discussion with a colleague around this, and it it might be a good actually point to make in this case that um, there are a lot of things that have been fixed over the years with FNO, and most of the mainstream features and bugs in mainstream features have probably been fixed and and handled yeah. and the if you find bugs now you should probably come to the conclusion that you are probably using like a niche scenario for the product because otherwise it would if if all of all of the people in the world were using it it would probably have been fixed by now um, and, and one reflection <laughs> yeah. that I've also made is that um, we are actually seeing new functionality rather than 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 like things that are already uh, that were already available in in 2012. Because I I I heard you say that before that that uh, <laughs> there was actually a, a headline saying 2012 features that has been postponed. Yeah. I noticed that one. You have a very nerdy, nerdy read when you you get stuck, or as you do, you st get stuck on learn, of course, uh, as everyone does. <laughs> no, but it's reading through the notes. It's it's fun. It's relaxing. But I, I ended up reading the deprecated, well, not deprecated features. The title is really um, features that were scheduled or meant to be in AX twenty twelve at the R three uh, release uh, that were not. So they were probably pushed into three six five or AX seven Rainier. As it was called back then, um, and it was fun to read it. Fun. Well, it's, it's, I can imagine that meeting where it's like, okay, we have these twenty features. Uh, sorry, guys, we're not going to do them now. Uh, we're put we're putting them in the backlog here. 
And it's like 17 out of these 20 are like status will not be implemented. It's done. <laughs> so it, it never came to be in, in many cases. But also, uh, to be fair, a lot of these features are there, but not as maybe as they were planned to be implemented. They, the business um, issue that they were meant to solve uh, have been sold differently, which makes total sense because it's a different platform, a different product a little bit. Uh, but it's just fun to see sometimes. And also sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes you Google, uh, you want to find something on Learn. What, what is this? How does this work? And then, then you read, and it's like, interesting. Oh, I didn't know this. And then you figure out, oh, you're on Business Central. You're not on, on operations. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I don't, didn't know it worked that way. Oh, okay. Do, now do we have so this feature? I didn't realize They're that. They're so similar, ah, right? It's, it's very easy to find. So, yep. um, and, and it's fun, but it's a very... As we've said many times before, it's a very um, extensive documentation, and it's uh, it's a trick to just be able to find um, how it works, um, and it's very good. So I'm happy happy about it. Much better than the old yep. CHM files that you could or could not import, and maybe they had content, and maybe they didn't. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let's get started. What's first on your list? Um, yeah, as always, without like in, in prioritization inbound here, I, I start from. Uh, finance and then go through commerce but uh, from a finance perspective i have two minor ones um, many uh, different this is a very very nerdy thing if you don't like it but it's the eso 2222 new versions for payment reporting or payment um, uh, bank statements basically uh, pain files i think it's very very ironic that some of the payment report, like the credit transfer files, they are actually called pain. <laughs> so fun. They cause a lot of pain in the implementation and they are actually called pain. Uh, but a number of different formats uh, released on the newer versions. Uh, and it's very helpful nowadays that you can actually, even though every bank has their own format, you get a lot of um, time reduction by looking at these standard formats in ER and, and the pro way they are, they can be used to, to, um, not maybe 100% automate um, out of the box many cases, but at least streamline the process of getting exchanging information between you and your bank or treasury provider or what, whatever you call it. So make sure to read up on that to, to see what is coming and what is there uh, now because it's a lot. Um, one, one more thing while I'm uh, on a roll here, I just noticed it uh, on the accounts payable side that there's a feature uh, in 37 that lets you control the mandatory status of the approved by field on the invoice register. Um, and this can be set as optional when formal approval isn't required. And it's a nice feature. Just set the field to be not mandatory. I, I bring it up because it has been a pain point in some integrations I've seen before with invoice register because you have, to, you have an integration coming in um, and not necessarily do you know who the user is sending it to you from the different system so like everyone has always solved this by setting up a specific <laughs> like a system user or a system integration user and that's the one who approved the invoice makes a little bit more sense to put the approval later down downstream in the process so you actually can actually build some workflow around it so it's a nice feature just to simplify things if you don't need a formal approval on the invoice register process Yes, and, and the reason why I was so quick to jump in was because uh, my first feature is actually also related to files being sent somewhere. <laughs> and it's, um, it's to one of our neighboring countries, uh, Denmark, where um, uh, we have gotten a feature for sending tax uh, submissions, VAT, VAT declarations to the Danish tax agency. 
and uh, so that's that actually exists for a lot of other countries. Uh, I've set it, I've been setting it up for UK at one point and so on. But the reason why I want to bring this up is that that is actually why one of the th- reasons why I think electronic reporting is such a cool functionality or a cool framework because first of all it helps you build the actual file so you can actually build a template you can set up rules for how to populate the template you can actually modify an existing template and and build different rules on it and and actually populate it with other data if you if you want if you have customizations for instance but not only that you can also use it to actually send the file over so in those cases where there is an api at the other end for instance in this case the danish tax agency uh, fno will actually contact the danish tax agency uh, make sure that you have a secure connection you need to validate it you need to sign it when you set it up so you get this like a a session key in some way Uh, but in if that is set up and, and working then you actually don't manually need to send it you can actually just when you have created your VAT declaration you can just click the button and send it and it yeah, will be sent cool. automatically from within FNO without having to download the file uh, uploading it to an FTP somewhere and whatever so that's really cool really cool yeah absolutely they really went all uh, the last mile there as well to de- deliver it to the tax authority i wonder if they do that for all countries or if it's that ax was born in denmark no it's <laughs> it's that. actually not for all countries i know i know for a fact that it exists for for uh, uh great britain uh, yeah, and okay. now for denmark uh, there are probably other countries as well but i also know that there are countries where this is not the case where in some cases we actually do need to use an isv to yeah. to get it done tax reporting yeah i know and i mean there are other scenarios not necessarily tax but with tax authorities that are sold by the e-invoice add-in as we've seen in many in other presentations before that uh, like the france the integration with with authorities to get um approval of doing invoicing which is coming like a storm all, all across the world basically to that you need to uh, build these integrations in some cases very complex integrations where you need to do a number of steps before you're allowed to, to send this exchange of documents to a customer or a vendor um that add in solves it but in this case it seems that it's it's out of the box within fno which is um, of course easier to sell yep yep cool um, so I had another one. I, I think speaking of what we mentioned before, that um, the release notes. I think in every release now, it's so fun to see that it, minor improvements, in some cases major improvements, of course, to the warehouse management, um, the mobile device app. We uh, I think we brought it up last time uh, with like a number of sessions ago with location directives and the way to like reroute using the mobile app. One of the functionalities there are more. Uh, one of them is to automatically update documents when receiving purchase orders. This is coming in 37 as well, um, where previously when you've done the actual process of receiving orders, um, the status of the lines is set to registered. And there was a manual step there to, to kind of automate, to really automate the actual uh, posting of the receipt. So you get a financial update. Now that has been, or it's possible now to automate it fully. So you can get it, well, get the, um, uh, Receipts uh, posted, so you get an actual um, well received uh, PO. Yes. All right. Uh, so um, 
My next one is actually not the feature that is in this release. It's actually a feature that has been there for a little while. The reason why I brought it up because uh, <clears throat> two of my uh, MVP colleagues actually uh, wrote a, a blog post about this in the week. Um, so uh, Hilte Brista and uh, uh, our good friend Andre uh, wrote this uh, collaboration blog post on how the feature ro recommendation notifications actually work in FNO. And, and the reason why I wanted to bring it up, because first of all, I wanted to, to promote this, this um, blog post since it's very useful. But I also wanted to mention that I think it's a very cool idea to have a feature rec recommendation notification in the product, meaning that there is actually a mechanism for alerting users to new and important features that that they really could use so if you do things in fno which are related to a feature that has not been enabled it actually tells you that in in this case you should probably try uh, to enable this feature and see if that makes things easier for you if it actually works better i think that's really cool and i think we discussed a little bit before as well i mean the recent of course, is to make sure that, that if Microsoft releases a feature, let's say for the one we discussed before as well, the um, feature to automatically clean up job history, for instance, that's something that improves both from the client side or one running the system and from Microsoft perspective, from a platform perspective, it's an improvement. So, uh, and I guess here or maybe how the reasoning went and how to add this feature recommendation because the notification doesn't go necessarily to the admins it goes to the users in some cases so they, maybe they looked at telemetry and they said okay admins are not turning this feature on we need it on let's go to the actual users so they can put some weight on the admins as well <laughs> so yeah so now you don't now you don't just get the admins and the test leads going uh, to activate features you actually get all the business users as well but it's really uh, it's a very nice little thing and it's more important to know because otherwise you might get it as a support ticket People wondering why is this banner coming up? What should I do with it? It's yep, important yep, to, yep. to inform about it. Yes, I think so as well. Totally agree. Yes. And speaking of feature uh, features, uh, we've discussed before as well. It's not only like new features, um, deprecated features. It's uh, it's about state changes of features as well. Uh, another topic on every release um, calendar that you need to be mindful about our state changes of features going from well off by default going to on by default and then into mandatory pretty much the life cycle of a feature unless it becomes disabled in, as with the api limits uh, so it's an important list to look at and i mean if you do your testing rigorous, rigorously as you should then hopefully you've tested on this um, feature setting anyway but um be mindful that features are be, are being turned on, um, even if you don't make an active decision to do it yourself. One of them that's coming online now in, in um, is the calculate line net amount on on import. It might have been actually on on by default in thirty six as well, but um, it's important to look at it uh, because what it does it handles specific integration scenarios, um, specifically for sales order import. Uh, so if you use data through the sales order lines uh, or quotation lines or return order lines entities using OData or dual write or, I mean, just using the entities, um, it will control whether the system would recalculate totals or not. So in some integration scenarios, you might want 
the sending system to send you the actual total amount uh, because you want to ensure that it's what what they saw is also what's going on the invoice. Uh, you don't you want to avoid scenarios of dynamics applying other sets of maybe discounts due to uh, like issues with master data. Um, so, but you still need to ensure that the logic is is um, is valid. So this feature might disrupt your integrations if you're not careful, um, because previously it just it didn't recalculate. So as soon as someone went in and maybe touched the line a little bit, then it recalculated and the totals went off. So worth putting a little bit of time if you have integrations using sales orders or sales orders composite entities, um, invest some extra time in validating that the totals match, not only that the integration is importing the lines. Yep. That's that's really really nice. Uh, so I actually don't have anything else, but I have a short like public service announcements before before I'm done for today. <laughs> and that actually is something that was raised by uh, one of my colleagues, uh, which I didn't mention at the start of the show, and that has to do with with bugs. So uh, like every other company, uh, when you send in a bug there is a prioritization process. And the prioritization process uh, lets Microsoft know which bugs to work on next. Because if they are higher up in the priority, they are being worked on. If not, then they're not being worked on. So what you need to figure out here is that if you find a bug in issue search that you are experiencing, then your uh, first thought might be, okay, so it's already in issue search. I shouldn't register it because it's already been done. Someone has already sent it into Microsoft. But you should probably do exactly the opposite. If it's already in issue search, you should register it again and you should force Microsoft support to link it to that issue that is already in issue search because if they do, then that will get a higher rating in the prioritization uh, backlog. And that will make it more likely that it's actually fixed. Yeah, makes total sense. And it's not about like tricking the backlog. It's about communicating to Microsoft that this is uh, an issue, um, maybe more severe than they know. So yep. it's, uh, yep. and I think yep. uh, speaking for them, <laughs> I think they want to know that. Uh, yeah, so exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. And and um, yeah, so I, I think it's important that we actually that we all actually send in support cases because. I mean, if we're looking at coming from an AX2012 background, uh, the, the, the gut feeling is often, yeah, we don't send anything in. We fix it anyway by ourselves <laughs> because, yeah, it's going to take too long. So the thing is that even if you do fix the bug, if it's, even if it's urgent and you do fix the bug, send it in anyway. Yeah. Because, I mean, if, if, you, if you're lucky then Microsoft will fix it as well. And you can actually go in and remove your code and have Microsoft fix in place instead. Because that means that you have a couple of lines less that you need to support for all eternity. Yeah, exactly. Makes total sense. <clears throat> yeah. I actually have one more uh, final item here. I'm not going to go into depth about it. It's a favorite topic of mine. Visibility app, the inventory visibility add-in, uh, which gives you on hand, um, but not going through FNO. So it's um, 
microservice. You can read up on it. It has uh, a lot of good uh, features and functionality. Uh, what's new here is the integration with uh, commerce and specifically the CSU, which is a very, very cool thing uh, for me specifically yeah, because I th- see a lot of scenarios where this is. There were some you know, like fringe integration scenarios where we touched upon commerce uh, before as well, but the, but the basic, the on-hand replication was coming from FNO, so you needed the transactions to come in. Now we were looking at um, pure integration between CSU and Visibility App, so you can actually leverage a lot of scenarios where you might go live with the POS uh, setup first, but you don't necessarily have inbound operations in ERP, then you can still provide your um, sales channels with, with actual, I'm going to say near real-time again here, <laughs> but uh, accurate on-hand data, uh, which is a very, very key component in many retail scenarios and B2B scenarios as well, of course, to to limit uh, short selling and um, uh, short picking in this case as well. So it's very cool um, integration. It's in preview a little bit. Uh, I think there's a public preview now in September. Uh, so if you haven't played around with visibility and you have these needs, I implore you to, to uh, try it out in your nearest tier two environment. Yes, I think that's uh, as good a point as any to uh, end the uh, this evening's uh, podcast. So with that, I think we say thank you everyone for listening and uh, have a nice time till the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. Take care, everyone.